Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Bible, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory, the Father of the holy angels. What is Jesus saying? He's basically saying this. If you're ashamed of me on earth, if you won't stand up for me on earth, if you only want fire insurance on earth and not a relationship with me, I will not identify you when you come to heaven. You have no chance getting into heaven. It seems that when we hear Bible passages that tell us we have to take a public stand for Jesus, we think of some mythical, wild-eyed, street-corner preacher telling everyone they're going to hell. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this statement that Jesus made and how to correctly apply it to our lives. We'll be hearing about attitudes that can keep us out of the kingdom of God. We will also hear reminders about the reality of the spiritual world, the world hidden from our earthly eyes. Jesus will be telling his disciples about who he really is and why he really came to this earth and exactly what he's going to experience to achieve their redemption. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues with his message, Disciples, Interns in Training. Sometimes we get about what we expect. What are you expecting this morning as we teach? Well, Pastor Myers, another week I'm here. What's your problem? Well, because you don't expect anything. I want you to expect you've already already began to feel that, the presence of God during worship. How many felt the presence of God during worship? See, it's real. It's not weird. It's real. And so I want you to think about the presence of God, all service. Because we're going to see what that is. God's here. He's going to minister to our needs. Second, some of you found yourself here and you're not really sure why you're here. You've been searching for a long time. Something doesn't add up in life. You have friends, you have neighbors, you have coworkers. They have something you don't have and you've been searching for it and you found your way here. Well, I want to give you the answer for that. It's a relationship with God. So I want you to watch what happens during the teaching today. Because many of you are going to accept Christ at the end of the service. You see, you can never have purpose and meaning unless God is part of your life. It will never, ever happen. So let me just encourage you as we move forward. 
Now, I had my little pharmacy jacket on from all those 25 years I was director of pharmacy, and I was an intern. An intern learns from others how to do something right. And if you've ever had surgery, you're so glad your surgeon was an intern at one time, and you weren't that first person he absolutely operated on. Could I hear an amen right there? Because most of you wouldn't even be here after that, baby. He's gone. We're going to see that disciples are interns. Lessons learned. We begin with Jesus speaking to his disciples. He was trying to teach him, here's what's ahead. Here's what it looks like. Now look at me. Two years they've already been following him. Two years of the three, a little more than three, that before he went to the cross in heaven. So they're two-thirds of the way through their internship. Here we go. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, Jesus speaking, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. They were hearing Jesus say, if you really want to be my disciples. Now notice, Pastor Mike, well, I'm not like into that disciple kind of thing. I just want to, I want my life insurance as far as salvation and going to heaven. I'd be saved. I'm not interested in the disciple. Then you have nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity is not about a life preserver. For heaven. Christianity is about being a disciple and a follower of Jesus. So he says to them, if you really want to be my disciple, you have to put God first, not you. Number two, you have to choose his will, his plan for your life, not yours. And then as you do that, just follow me. And that's what the disciples had been doing for more than two years. And then some of them were probably thinking, because they know people are going to say, is that really worth it? So he gives us in these next two verses, look at me, two hindrances to people that want to follow Jesus Christ. Every one of those two hindrances, those two, they affect me and they affect you today as well. Watch what he says, verse 24. For whoever wants to save their life, spiritual life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life, not for a religion, not for a denomination, not for a church, Whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus says, here's hindrance number one. You have to defeat this if you're going to follow me. So write it down. Lesson learned. First hindrance. My biggest hindrance to following Jesus Christ is this. I only do what I want. No discomfort. No risk. And basically, I just say, serve me. That's what many people in churches feel. They come to a church, you've heard me talk about it, and all they say is, well, what's in it for me? Not how can I help, now how can I help the world, but what's in it for me? We have a whole group of people this morning in Haiti. We have a lot of ministries in Haiti. Pastor Serge has a great church from here, has a great church in in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And many of these people that went to Haiti this week on a mission, and it's a children's orphanage, They minister there. They've never been to Haiti. They just took a risk. They took off and they headed there. And they're being used by God. You see, if you try to hoard your life, if you try to cling to it, if you try to grasp it, if you try to take care of ourselves, trust ourselves, what's in it for me? You'll never discover life. They will be more alive when they come back from that trip than they've ever been before. Because see, God says when you give, he gives back to you. They discover what life is. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, absolutely the definition demands risk. 
There's all faith is a step. It's a risk. Now, if you want to discover life, you have to defeat that. It's not just about you. It's about what God wants in your life. Now, here's the second hindrance. Look at verse 25. What good is it for someone, kind of a crazy statement, to gain the whole world? What, is, what good is it if you're the richest person in the whole world? Yeah, $700 billion, whatever. And yet lose or forfeit their very self, your soul, your eternal soul. Here's the second temptation. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to defeat this. The temptation of accumulating stuff, money, possessions, and position. Jesus said, is this like irrational to spend your whole life trying to own everything, to gather, 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 gather? Because when you have, a, let's say you have $10 billion this morning and tomorrow you die, how much is left here? $10 billion. Nothing goes with us. You see, if a person dies without a relationship with God, no matter, no matter what kind of lifestyle, they miss life. They miss life here. They miss eternal life. Yesterday in our subdivision, they do this quite often in years too. You have the garage sales. And uh, so that we do it two or three times a year that people do it. You know, Linda and I were walking down the street yesterday to an exercise. And, and here's this neighbor across the street. And, and we heard her say people had driven up in the car. Said, uh, everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. She has all this stuff out in the front way. And my wife said as we walked by, you know what she's saying? I want to get rid of all of this stuff. <laughs> but two years ago, you know what she was saying? I got to have that. I got to have that. I got to have that. There it is. Would you take it from me, please? Anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Exactly. See, does that bring us life? No, not really. It actually becomes more complicated. And what Jesus is trying to say is, hey, if you're going to defeat that, here's how you defeat this accumulation of crud. Nothing wrong with having stuff. We all have stuff. But if that's your focus, wrong. Here's how you defeat it. Number one, be a generous person. Give. Satan is a taker. And when you're in his kingdom, you're a taker. When you're a Christian, you're a giver. God so loved the world. So we give up our time. You guys are great with all that. We got, we got some new stuff coming across the street. You can't wait. Just wait till I tell you. But it's not us. It's the promise. And for the special needs kids and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be fantastic. But second thing is, not only do I have to diffuse that by that, but I have to learn to be content. See, if you're discontent, you try to fill that with stuff. It doesn't work. Jesus modeled this. His lifestyle was very simple. You'll see that. Now, somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, I like that. That's really good. Nice. That's 2,000 years ago. That's kind of old news. It doesn't really apply to us today. I'm not selfish, and I don't like to accumulate. <laughs> Next question you'd like to bring to me? That's not true at all. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy a few years later. Look what he writes. Same exact thing. Watch what he writes. Look at the two hindrances here. This is powerful to me. 2 Timothy 3. You should know this, Timothy, in the last days, hello, we're in the last days, there will be difficult times for people will, number one hindrance, love themselves. Number two hindrance, they'll love their money. Same exact thing. Same two hindrances. Me first, my stuff, forget you. 
Jesus said, you'll never follow me. You'll never follow me. Then, look at me. A very difficult statement from Jesus. A lot of people want to get saved. They want to have their sins forgiven. They want the fire insurance certificate that they hand to Peter to get into heaven. But they don't want to follow Jesus. Look what he says. It's a challenge. Verse 26. Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Bible, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory, the Father of the holy angels. What is Jesus saying? He's basically saying this. If you're ashamed of me on earth, if you won't stand up for me on earth, if you only want fire insurance on earth and not a relationship with me, I will not identify you when you come to heaven. You have no chance getting into heaven. How can you be ashamed of me and the word of God and want to spend eternity with me? So don't be ashamed of me. Notice, notice whoever is ashamed of me and my words, when it comes to eternity, I'll be ashamed of you then. Now, here's a challenge for us. What he's saying is, if you'll be loyal to me now, if you identify with me now, if you're not ashamed of me in the word of God, then I will identify you. You'll get into heaven because you're not ashamed of me. Now, is there anybody here this morning that's ashamed of Jesus and his word? You know, when we think about world religions, I was watching something, a little travelogue or something yesterday. It was over in Japan, you know, Buddhist and nothing wrong. I'm not knocking other things. I'm just trying to show you something. And they had the sports kind of thing. There was thousands of people that were doing this sporting kind of deal. And I wasn't familiar with what it was. And all these guys and gals out there, young people like crazy and really exercise guys and whatever. And, and all of a sudden, all of them did this. And they all just bowed in front of millions of people. And the travel person said, well, what are they doing? And in front of these, they couldn't see most of There was this person waving a flag. And this was asking the gods to come and protect them in their run. Now, every single one of those persons, were they ashamed of the dead Buddhist god? No. In front of millions of people. Didn't matter who they were. If you have Muslim friends, and five times a day they have a little rug. And they put that down anywhere and kneel. Are they ashamed of supposedly God, which is not our God? Are they ashamed of Allah? Hello? No, they're not. You can say that like that. No, they're not. How about you? You ashamed when somebody calls you a Christian? You you actually believe that thing? Yes, I do. It's time to stand for Jesus Christ. I use this all the time at the end. Listen, at the end of the service, when I say to people, at the end, you pray that sinner prayer in your seat. I'll do it this morning. Then at the end of the service, you come down and meet me right here and just shake your hand and say, I accepted the Lord this morning. I'll pray that prayer. I ain't coming down there. Then you're ashamed of Jesus and he'll be ashamed of you. I didn't say this. He said it. How could we be ashamed of someone that takes us from here to heaven? God help us. Our world has put us into this defensive mode. I'm not talking about picketing and all that crud. I'm just saying in your heart, never be ashamed of Jesus Christ in the word of God. He's what's changed our life. It's amazing.
So as Jesus makes this statement, it kind of goes long, and you can write it this morning. I just wrote it like this. Never be ashamed of Jesus or the word. It's kind of a good thing for you to write to remind all of us. And then he says something strange. Look what he says in verse 27. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Three of his disciples are going to go up to a mountain, Peter, James, and John, and they're going to get a glimpse, a preview of heaven, of an eternal kingdom. Look how it happens. Verse 28. About eight days after Jesus had said this, Jesus had an inner circle. John was his closest friend. Then he had Peter, James, and John. Then he had the other nine. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on the mountain to pray. So we don't know exactly where this is. We think maybe Mount Hermon, Mount Tabor. So he goes up and he's going to pray. He's taking this tree with him. He's going to give him some lessons up there. He takes him up to the mountain. Now, what do we know from scripture? When Jesus prays, what are usually the disciples doing? Tell me. They're sleeping. Exactly right. So you're going to see the same thing again. In a few moments, they wake up. What's happening up here? So Jesus is up there praying and they're sleeping. As he was praying, verse 29, look at it. The appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. As Jesus was praying, his outward appearance changed. It was not like me that has these crazy lights blared into my face. It was internal outward He was transfigured. It's a change on the outside that comes from the inside. It was a picture of who Jesus really was in the spirit, who he had been in heaven. As this is happening to him, look what happens up on top. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appear in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. So, Here's two people from the Old Testament, and they appear with their glorified bodies. Moses representing the law when he was on Mount Sinai. got the Elijah representing the prophets of the Old Testament. They're talking with Jesus. Now look at me. Moses has died 1,400 years before this, 2,000 years ago when this is happening. 1,400 years he's been dead. Elijah never died. He was translated to heaven 900 years before this. What do we learn from that? In a moment, the disciples are going to wake up and go, whoa. Because they knew very much Moses as far as who he was. And of course, they'd always heard of Elijah, that fiery prophet. What do we learn from this? Write it down this morning. This is huge. The spiritual world is real. These are people who had died, but thousands of years later, They're in a new glorified body talking to Jesus. You see, the spiritual world is real. That means eternity is real. That means heaven and hell is real. And the real you this morning is spiritual. The real you is spiritual. Well, what are they going to talk about up there? They actually come to encourage Jesus as he goes to the cross. Look at the next verse. 31, our campuses. They spoke about his departure. That word departure in the original language means exodus, moving from one place to another. 
Moses, the Exodus, Exodus in the Bible, they moved from being slaves in Egypt for 400 years, they moved to the promised land. Elijah, Exodus, immediately from earth to heaven, no death. So what were they talking about Jesus? They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. What was going to happen in a little more than a year in Jerusalem with Jesus? He was going to be beaten, died on the cross so you and I could have our salvation, be resurrected, and go to heaven. He was going to depart to heaven. So what does that show us? Death is not the end of our existence. It's simply a departure from one place To another. Now, Moses and Elijah, as I said, have been living in heaven for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus soon would go back to heaven after his death where he'd been. So, facing those three people, there's an interesting question for you and me. The oldest book in the Old Testament is the book of Job. And they didn't get all this, but Job asked an interesting question, which you should ask. Here's the question Job asked. If a man dies, if a woman dies, will they live again? Will they live again? And man has always been asking that. Do you know why? The book of Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in your heart. Believer, unbeliever, doesn't matter. You know, you know, you'll never admit it to me if you're not a believer. But you know because God put it in there. You say, well, I didn't accept it when God put it there. Sorry. You know when you die, you're going to live somewhere. You may be confused about it. I hope to clear all that up for you today. But you know this is not the end of life. But the world has tried to confuse that. See, the most valuable thing anybody has is their soul, where they'll live when they die. And so the world has come up with lots of excuses, lots of false belief. I'll go through three of them very quickly with you. But only the Bible gives us the truth. And you already see it this morning. Some people say, many people say this, that after a person dies, there's no life after death. No eternity. We simply cease to exist. We hear people say, he bought the farm, it's over with, he's back in the ground, where he came from, that's it, nothing, there's no spiritualness, there's no eternity, there's no soul of man, absolutely dead. They call it eternal oblivion. That is not biblical at all. The Bible says this, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. You don't cease to exist. Number two, there's a well-meaning people. Much of their doctrine is good, but some of it isn't. Seventh-day Adventist church, they teach soul sleep that denies a man's consciousness when he dies until the resurrection day. In other words, all those years, until you're resurrected by Christ, you're just in kind of limbo. Nothing's happening. There's no existence to you, no, no consciousness of man. But the scripture says that's totally a lie. What does Paul say? Listen, remember this. Absent from the body, death, what's the Bible say? Immediately what? Present where? With the Lord. That was a challenging teaching for sure. Anytime we're told about the aspects of our human nature and how they keep us from having an authentic relationship with Jesus, that's hard to hear. Thankfully, Pastor Mark tells it like it is because these are things we need to be aware of. 
We pray you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you on these matters, and more importantly, let Him work in you to make you more like Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. The next teaching Pastor Mark will be bringing will continue in Luke chapter 9. Jesus is now about a year from His crucifixion and resurrection. It seems he's trying to reveal more of his true nature to his disciples. Pastor Mark will be sharing these passages and the interaction of Jesus and the Twelve and how what is said directly applies to us here in the 21st century. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.